Have you ever opened up a new book and gone right to the last page to see how it ends? Personally, I could never do that with a novel or a mystery, but I'll admit I do occasionally take a sneak peek at where the argument is headed when I'm reading nonfiction. Perhaps surprisingly, the church year actually begins by doing precisely the same thing, by flipping to the last page and seeing the end of the story of Jesus, the story of salvation, before flipping back to his birth at Christmas. Advent begins not with Jesus' first advent in Bethlehem, but with his second advent in glory at the consummation of history. And the remarkable thing about the gospel is that it takes what should be the end, the day of the Lord foretold by the prophets, and turns it into a new beginning. In the Old Testament, the people of God look forward with great anticipation for the day of the Lord to come. They want him to come and finally bring justice on the earth. And this is because they see themselves primarily as people who suffered injustice. But the prophets repeatedly say, be careful what you wish for. You don't want the day of the Lord. Listen to just a few of their warnings. <clears throat> the prophet Amos, for example, says, Alas for you who desire the day of the Lord. Why do you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness, not light. Or Isaiah says, For the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty. The haughtiness of people shall be humbled, and the pride of everyone shall be brought low, and the Lord alone will be exalted on that day. Or Ezekiel says, The day of the Lord is near. It will be a day of clouds, a time of doom for the nations. And as we heard in today's Old Testament passage, Malachi says, who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Yet even in the midst of these warnings, the prophets often include a glimmer of hope. After Joel, the prophet Joel, mirrors the cry of the other prophets, truly the day of the Lord is great, terrible indeed, who can endure it? He goes on to say, yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. Who knows whether or not he will turn and relent? The problem that the prophets point to, the problem to which the gospel is the solution, is that although we have probably all suffered unjustly at some point, we have also all been the cause of unjust suffering. Or as Paul says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In the New Testament, this glimmer of hope is realized in the first advent of the Lord, who deals with the sin and injustice of the world by bearing them himself in order to make possible a way for all people to look forward to his second advent, not with dread, but with hope and joy. 
the good news of Jesus begins with a declaration of forgiveness and acceptance to all who repent and return to the Lord in faith. But the good news doesn't end there. The goal of God's grace is for us to become what God declares us to be in Christ, holy and blameless. Perhaps, like me, you think these are not exactly the adjectives you would use to describe yourself. If so, Paul's prayer in Philippians can help. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and wisdom. Now, this is not typically how we think about love. I suspect most of us would say that to love others is to feel a certain affection for them, or perhaps to be kind to them. But love in the Bible is an act of the will. It means to desire and act for what is good for them. So in order to love others, we need to know what is good for them. Not what we like or what we think they will like, but what is actually their good. We need an accurate understanding of the good life. And this is why Paul prays that our love will abound more and more with knowledge and wisdom. Christian love finds its bearings by focusing on the ways of God and the way God has ordered, ordered this world. It is a wise love, a love guided by the wisdom which God alone can impart. And this wise love, which Paul prays for, has a purpose, to help you determine what is best. In other words, the result of a love which grows in wisdom is moral discernment, the ability not just to determine but to approve value and choose what is good. We cannot decide to be holy and blameless and make that happen overnight. The only way to grow in holiness is by allowing the Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds and work through our wills so that we learn to choose the good a little at a time in every area of our lives until this habit becomes a part of our character and we choose good and love God and neighbor by second nature. In other words, these small daily choices are the means by which God is transforming our lives into lives that are holy and blameless. Well, if we follow this path, the result will be that in the day of Christ, we may be pure and blameless, being filled with the fruit of righteousness. The right conduct, which is beyond our direct control, but which would make a heaven of our earthly existence, must flow out of a righteous character, a heart that has been trained to love the good by the Spirit. As remarkable as this goal is, there is a yet higher purpose, the glory and praise of God. When we live our lives in such a way that they are aligned with the good life, not only do we find ultimate fulfillment and joy for ourselves, we also bring honor to our Maker. So Paul's prayer teaches us that this transformation, which is our main calling as Christians, is accomplished through the work of the Spirit in our lives, shaping in us a wise and discerning love that allows us to choose the good and ultimately produces that fruit of, of right character and conduct which brings glory to God. Is this high calling the goal toward which our lives are aiming? Advent gives us the opportunity to reflect on how we are living our lives, to ask ourselves if we are living 
toward the day of Christ. It is a time to flip to the last page of the book and see how the story of our lives, which are picked up into this great story of redemption, will one day end. And then to allow that future hope to shape our present living. And we need not be nervous about the coming day of the Lord. We can look forward to it with hope and joy, remembering the good news of Jesus, which takes what should be the end of our story and turns it into a glorious new beginning. All those whose lives have been touched by God's grace, who cling to Jesus in repentance and faith, can have every confidence that the one who began a good work in you will bring it to completion by the day of Christ Jesus.